Hello and welcome to another episode of the Average Joe Football Show. I'm your host, Joe Thiessen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of John D. Rockefeller's favorite football podcast, as today in 1916, he becomes the world's first billionaire. He was an oil industry. That was all off. That was just, oh man, that, I don't know, man. We got to do that again. You think so? Yeah, you just, you, the, the vi- have you never listened to my intro ever? Have you never listened to it? Tell me you're kidding. No. Have you never listened? I really think that you didn't bring it that time. The vibe was off. The cadence was off. The person, you said okay, a you person, it then. then you went directly into a fact. You didn't even give me a chance to talk. And you're not the host either. I'm joined, obviously, by my illustrious host, Joe Fair. How's it going, Joe? It's going well. It's going well, actually. Nice. Yeah. I'm sick of being the host. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah, I know. That's I why I got, quit. That's why I wanted you to intro the show today, and you completely blew it. I don't even I know if we can actually, use that not, footage. No, nah, I thought it was pretty good. No. I. And it's well, not footage. It's audio. Audio. Footage. Audio footage. That's a thing. <laughs> okay. Right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. John D. Rock- I did a good job. John though. D. Rockefeller, yeah. really? What? How? What are we supposed to talk about now? About John um, D. Rockefeller becoming the first billionaire? The first billionaire ever? Yeah. In what day? That's was why that? they know him. Yeah, I know. It was just in 1960. I don't know if it was on this day, but <laughs> I think it's pretty close. 1960? That's when they 19, had the first. 1916. 1916. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, a billion dollars is a lot of money. That is insane. Especially in back then. Wow. Holy smokes. I wonder what that would translate now to, like, inflation-wise. Oh, man, probably, like, at one, least two bill. <laughs> at, least, at least one and a half, <laughs> right? Yeah. Are, uh, can you Google something like that? I don't even think that Google has those kinds of answers. Um, Here, let me look up. You just look up one bill. Yeah, what would you even type in? One billion dollars in 1916. Worth today, one billion dollars in 1916 is equivalent to about what? To about that's not right. What this says? What is that? Not twenty? What? Huh? Oh, sorry. This is one million dollars. So one million dollars, uh, one million dollars in 1916 is equivalent to 25 million dollars today wow so you could very so worth four times to- no sorry it's worth 25 times yeah sorry amount. i was thinking in quarters like 25 50 75 100 yeah. i was for some so, reason i was thinking in quarters if math is correct and i can't even pull up my freaking calculator on my phone right now if math is correct so that's a billion dollars okay yeah so what would that be 20 <laughs> <999 laughs> Nine hundred ninety-nine <laughs> times twenty-five, <laughs> right? What would this be? Wouldn't it just be? I don't know. Wouldn't it just be? <laughs> oh man, Joe! I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be? Well, twenty. So twenty-five times would it just be twenty-five billion? Wouldn't it be twenty-five billion? No man. <laughs> would, it be, <laughs> would not be. Why not? If it's twenty-five no, times, no. one billion. One million <laughs> is twenty-five million. Would it not just then be twenty-five billion? <laughs> no, no, it why can't not? be. Why? Why not? What's <laughs> waiting? Inflation too easy. is twenty-five. <laughs> Sometimes, what's that? The easiest solution. <laughs> the easiest. Occam's razor. Occam's razor. <laughs> Right? It cannot be. <laughs> oh, man. We're just laughing because we're so sad. Sad that we don't know how to do that math. Yeah, that is pretty sad. Oh, man. Oh, I would have had to sit down for a few, for at least a half hour beforehand <laughs> no. to try to figure that out. If 1 million equals 25 million, <laughs> 1 billion is not. Oh, my gosh, man. Oh, man. I don't even get it. For those of you that are listening, make sure you leave a five-star review and tell us if one <laughs> if one million is 25 million, how much is one billion? 25 <laughs> billion, right? <laughs> 25 times. It's maybe. It cannot I, be. I just, I, oh, man. There's, a, there's an inflation calculator. Oh, shoot. There's an inflation calculator. Okay, we're about to find out. How many zeros is a billion? Um, 100 million, right? One, two, what? three. One, two, three. Yeah, 100, 100 million is a... No. Oh. 
One, what is it? One thousand. One million. One million is one with 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 six zero. <laughs> Shut up. Six zeros. Yeah, that's one million. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what? What's it? One. You add billion? another three zeros to that, okay. and that becomes a billion. So one thousand right? million. It's 25 billion. I'm, I was right. It's 25 billion. One billion dollars. Look, one billion dollars in 1916 is worth 25 billion dollars today. Almost 25.1 billion dollars. Who's, wow. la- who's laughing now? If I honestly had 0.1 billion dollars, I'd be happy. I'd be fine. Yeah. 0.1 billion? 0.1 one million dollars? Point one bill, yeah. Point one hundred mil actually is 100. what it would be. Point zero zero one uh, would be. Dude, we're doing it's too much. No, this I is did. me. I'm the better magician, mathematician. <laughs> oh come on! Goodness gracious! This is what happens when you intro the show. I know it's completely off the rails. We're gonna be off the rails and off road. Oh. That brings us to our sponsor, Jeep Wrangler. Jeep Wrangler. Um. um you can buy your Jeep today at the Dodge Jeep Dodge Caravan Jeep dealer. Jeep. Do you want to buy a car and for some reason you have to wave at everybody else that has that same car? Yeah. Why not buy a Jeep? Yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? Everybody who has the same kind of car except for like a typical car. Like if you drive a Jeep, you do that. Yeah. If you drive like a cool Subaru, you do yeah. that. Or a cool yeah. motorbike. All yeah. Motor, well, all Motorcyclists. Bike bikers do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. If you drive a cool yeah. um, old car, you do it. Just certain like particular. Yeah. It's a cl- it's an exclusive club. It's discriminatory. Yeah, and I won't stand for it. I never wave it at like I own it. I own I own a Ford F one fifty. I never once have waved at another person for having okay. a Ford F one fifty. Okay. Yeah, I never have. And okay. You own a Matrix, Toyota Matrix. Yep. Toyota. I Matrix. wave at all the Matrix owners. <laughs> Matrix, Matrix owners. We have our own club because it's a, it's a buying Facebook, a Matrix is Facebook the smartest group. thing you can ever do. Okay. Sure. Cheap, yeah. smart on fuel. Smart, <laughs> smart on fuel. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it's not really great on fuel, but I can comprehend it well. Yeah, Met much better than we can inflation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. although yeah, I was exactly. totally right, and you laughed in my face. Well, we laugh in each other's faces. I have never felt more insecure than when I said that one <laughs> that, that one billion would be twenty five billion. I know, I could see it in your eyes. <laughs> I was, I, it was fear. I was oh, a deer man. in headlights. We at were that both point. laughing, but kind of crying because we we're kind of scared <laughs> yeah. that we didn't know. We're not we that smart. Should. We never went to college. Is the moral of this story? I actually did. Well, okay, you went to trade. I did math in college. Okay, so I did college for math. Yeah, but you didn't really go to college. I did. Not not a real for three months. Not a real college. Yeah, three months. No, that's not real. That's when I went to college, at least. So. I have a student card and a jacket, Joe. <laughs> he was and a lanyard. Who's laughing now? <laughs> Who's laughing now? Not the people listening to this show, that's for sure. Uh, this is the Average Joe football show, if this is your first, first time tuning in. Usually, Joe doesn't intro the show, so it's not ruined within the first few minutes of the show. Um, right? Sorry. That's Okay, that's maybe a little... Uh, yeah, it's Sometimes pushing. I take it too far. You do push it yeah. a little bit. <laughs> sorry. I appreciate you. Okay. Yeah, I know. You did, the intro was not the best, but we made it through. We talk about football on on this show sometimes, most of the times, basically every episode we actually do. It is the Average Joe Football Show after all. We like to start every episode not talking football, but rather talking uh, inflation, uh, politics, um, you know, world issues. World issues, yeah. What, what are some examples of the things that we've talked about at the top of this show? Um, If you if your wife thought you died in war and got remarried yeah. and had kids, if you'd be sad when you got home. That was well, I mean, you would be sad. Yeah. But I mean, like, what would you do? Yeah. I think we decided to fight to the death with the guy. Yeah. Yeah, so we talked about that. Uh, We've talked about, um, well, we've been, obviously, COVID. Uh, we won't get into that garbage. Uh, what's something else that we've just uh, for an example for first time listeners? What else have we talked about at the top of the show? Bald this is men. Bald men. That was at the back of the show, actually. Top of show. Oh, uh, yeah, that was the draft. Uh, we talked Bill Gates. We've Bill talked, Gates. Um, um, this is the Amp Me. Amp Me. That was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Our first ever sponsor. It was. Our first ever uh, um. Unvoluntary sponsor. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't actually. They didn't ask to sponsor us. Yeah, but they, yeah, yeah. But and they're not paying us. 
No. But there's this podcast is sponsored by We're him. dumping just so <laughs> much cash into <laughs> there. Yeah. We have an AntMe premium. Yeah. For those it's $14 that, weekly. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, AntMe is an app that you can sync up your music mm-hmm. with somebody else's, right? Yeah. It costs like $4,000 a month. Yeah, it's ridiculously for expensive for what it is. Yeah. So When you can really, really, you can just time it yeah. pretty good. Or, or buy a Bluetooth speaker. Yep. Hey, you don't you can't afford a Bluetooth speaker speaker? Can you then afford two phones and a and a membership to AMP? Yeah. No? Honestly, they make decent um Bluetooth speakers for so cheap anymore that yeah. you know, you should. And that's why this that's why AMP is sponsoring this podcast. Yeah. They're in dire straits right now. They're in a yeah. tough spot. Mm-hmm. They came to this show. Um and they came to these Joes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to talk football at some point today. I'm going to talk about week three and the craziness that was week three. I'm going to do a little segment I like to call stock up or stock down. That's right. We're talking stocks today. Who is on the rise in the NFL? Who's on the uh, the opposite of a rise, the fall uh, in the NFL? Um, no Mike on today's show. He is uh, feeling under the weather, so it's just me again. We're going to go back to the way that we used to do things where I talk to myself um and uh, you listen to myself and it's just me on this day in 1922 benito mussolini asked vatican for support of fascist party program oh and what do they say doesn't say okay must have been tomorrow or something in this day in history <laughs> what and on this day in history in 1927 <laughs> the telephone service begins between the u.s and mexico oh wow in what day what year today 1927 oh wow until then, you couldn't call Mexico? Yeah, you could not. No way. Wow. Um, and um, I guess this is kind of uh, going in with our show today. Um, it's n- on this day in history, in 1930, the first Canadian football game played under lights in Hamilton, UBC. Played under lights. They played on, in the dark until then. Yep. It's very hard to see. Uh, yeah, they didn't, even, they didn't even know what sport they were playing. What day was that? What year? Right, I don't listen. Li- listen yeah, I know anything you Anything you say. Um, while you're talking, I'm already thinking. So, um, 1930. That's like, okay. I don't know. I don't really have anything to say to that one. I'm not going to lie. 1941, on this day in history, Nazi massacre at Bobby Yar Ravine near Kiev, Ukraine begins. 33,771 mostly Jews are murdered. <sighs> you didn't, I don't know. You didn't have to say that one. Not all of them have to be said. Like, I see that you're scrolling, so obviously you're skipping some. But you cho- <laughs> you chose to do that one. Because I see you right now, you're scrolling on your phone. So you're skipping over other things that happen on this day. But you chose to say that one. So, I don't really know. 1953, Make Room for Daddy, starring Danny Thomas, premieres on ABC TV. <laughs> Why is that even significant? That's a show I've never even heard of. I don't even... Like, whatever. I don't know. 1956, Oh Susanna de- debuts on CBS TV. Okay, I think this is enough. Thanks, thanks though. You got anything else you want to say before I jump into football? Other than, no? Nope. No, okay. I'm good, actually. It's okay. actually pretty good. But in this day in 1961, Bob Dylan's first recording session back up. First, sorry. <laughs> this is just. <sighs> session back up harmonica. For Caroline Hester. All right. So a well, lot of really invigorating things that happen in this day in history. Yeah, man. Uh, this is, I don't know. I'm sorry for anybody that's listening to this podcast for the first time. It's not usually like this. Um, but unless we have anything else we'd like to waste time with, Joe, you, you said no. You said no. I say no. Let's jump into some football. Three weeks into the NFL season, and not really sure what to make out of a lot of the teams in the NFL. This feels like one of the more bizarre years I can remember. And that's kind of weird to say, considering last year was literally the most bizarre year in NFL history on account of COVID or and everything that that entailed. This year, however, 
not so much that aspect, the off the field stuff, but just the on the field product has been incredibly bizarre. Like teams one week looking like the greatest thing since sliced bread, and then the next week looking like a team that's going to pick first overall in the draft. I just I cannot get a read on who's good, who's bad, who's the best, um, who's going to you know be in the playoffs, and who's not even going to win their division. It's been it's been tough this year. There's been a lot of uh, bizarre outcomes and week three was one of the crazier weeks we've had and that's saying something because the first three weeks have been incredibly crazy obviously there's no mic on today's show so it's just me talking I gotta get back in the swing of things of just talking to myself it's honestly a completely different feel when it's just you talking uh, puts the pressure on you a little bit more uh, I can't have any silences um, so, and I'm slowly starting to fail that right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, on today's show, I'm just going to go through the three biggest games from this week. The games that I felt were the, th- the, the ones that are worth the most talking about. Uh, and I think they're, they're the biggest games with the, with the biggest implications. And then we're going to get into a segment that I did, uh, uh, during last season, uh, where I did, uh, stock up and stock down on NFL teams, NFL players, uh, and all that good stuff. We're gonna say we're gonna tell you who's on the rise, and who's not on the rise uh, in the week three of the 2020 NFL season. And we'll kind of talk about all the rest of the games um, during that uh, segment. But first up, I want to start uh, by talking about Sunday Night Football, another primetime game that was an absolute classic. We've had our fair share of those. Um, it seems like every single primetime game that we have, I, one, cannot stay awake for the life of me because I'm a dad now and I'm tired all the time and I constantly fall asleep at like 9.45 and it's really hard for me to stay awake. I stayed awake for most of this one uh, and it was worth it. Uh, the Green Bay Packers win 30-28 to over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Packers started the game off real hot, up 17 to nothing in the first half. Uh, before the end of the half, uh, Jimmy G struggled uh, a lot in the first half. Offense was not able to finish drives, uh, looked ugly at times, and then they, they marched the ball down uh, near the end of the half, and then Trey Lance sc- comes in, scores the touch, and at that point, I tweeted, how about we just don't let Jimmy G come back into the game, Kyle Shanahan, uh, something along those lines. And honestly, the vibe of the game, the way it was going at that point, it would not have shocked me to see Trey Lance uh, stay in at quarterback and have Jimmy G's day just be over and, and, and his tenure as starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers just be over. But that did not happen. In fact, Jimmy G came out in the second half, stormed back, and made it a really, really good day- game down the stretch. Um they were able to bring it uh, back into a, a competitive game. Uh, but my main takeaways from this game are Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams very well might. I don't even know if I can say might be. I think it is just official. They are the best wide receiver quarterback duo in the NFL. Uh, their dominance in this game was, I mean, it is beautiful to watch what what Aaron Rodgers would a, was able to do with Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers finished 23 for 33, 261 yards and two touchdowns, a, an efficient game. And then Devontae Adams with 12 receptions, 132 yards and a touchdown. And these two, th- their chemistry just seems to be on a completely different level level. I mean, these guys, when they get it going, Aaron Rodgers puts the ball in spots where only Devontae Adams can get it. And Devontae Adams, um, he might be the best receiver in football. I, I kind of pushed back on that talking to some friends this weekend before the game. That I, I, I was thinking, I don't know if I'm ready to say that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football with, with people like DeAndre Hopkins and, and Tyreek Hill. But Devontae Adams did a, a dang good job of, of, of showing that he probably is the best receiver in the NFL. And him and Aaron Rodgers looked absolutely phenomenal. And Jimmy G on the 49ers side, he actually played quite well down the stretch after struggling early. He finished 25 for 40, 257 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. However, late in the game, he had a, an absolutely boneheaded fumble. And that's the thing with Jimmy G. We know what Jimmy G is. He's a game manager. He can make the throws. He, he you know He's a talented 
Uh, he's a talented quarterback. Um, it's never been that aspect, but he has these moments where he just makes decisions that are mind-boggling. And in this in this instance, he gets pressured, uh, and this is late in the game. Um, this is quite late in the game in, in a critical spot. He gets pressured. He spins around and he throws the ball backwards. And if because he throw he threw it backwards, it's a fumble. It's a lateral. So the Packers recover. Uh, they get it in their own territory. They uh, they end up kicking a field goal, um, which increased the the Green Bay Packers lead. Uh, but then after that, Jimmy G actually led a, a really nice touchdown drive. He, he drove the, the San Francisco 49ers down the field, gave them a one-point lead. The only problem was he gave them a one-point lead with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback for the Green Bay Packers and 37 seconds left on the clock, which is insane. There was no timeouts for the Packers. 37 seconds. Aaron Rodgers comes onto the field just cold as ice, marches the, the Packers down the field. Mason Crosby ends up hitting a 51-yard field goal to win the game. But this was an incredible game. And Aaron Rodgers, just after struggling in week one and then struggling in the first half of week two, he looks to be all the way back. And, and any rumors that he potentially might sabotage the Packers or he's he's in it so that the Packers... Um, so that the Packers stink this year, uh, he he's just he's just a a a, uh, a spy or something. He's gonna, he's come to take down the Packers. That you know that doesn't look so hot. Those rumors this week because Aaron Rodgers looked phenomenal in this game, and these two teams I think can walk away feeling encouraged um, about this game. Uh, the Packers look to be right back to Super Bowl contenders where they where they were last year, and the San Francisco 49ers with Jimmy G. Uh, they they were able to take uh, a Super Bowl contender like the Green Bay Packers to the very brink, uh, and they could potentially improve when they bring in Trey Lance. and And I I think it's fine to not to not bring in Trey Lance, despite my tweet that I had in that game. I understand uh, Kyle Shanahan, who's one of the best coaches in the NFL. If he's not if he doesn't feel like it's the right time, and I really feel like Kyle Shanahan really wanted Trey Lance to win that starting job. He really wanted Trey Lance to be the starter there in San Francisco. But if he feels like he's not ready, then he's not going to put him in. And and Kyle Shanahan is a lot smarter than me. And I don't think it's insane to have a quarterback sit and learn, especially somebody as raw as Trey Lance, a guy who, who has all, this, all the talent but just hasn't played that much football. I don't think it's bad to have him sit behind um, Jimmy G and just learn for a little bit. But um, we'll have to see where that goes uh, in the future. How long till Jimmy G loses that starting? I think it will be at some point Jimmy G will lose that starting spot to Trey Lance. But in this game, uh, it was all about the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, just continues to show that he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Then on to the next game that featured the defending Super Bowl champions going up against... Uh, the new look Los Angeles Rams. This was a surprising game. I picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game. I thought they were the most dominant team in the NFL. I remember asking either last week or or in week one, uh, asking Mike if any team could possibly you know compete with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They look so dominant offensively, defensively, and they 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 have struggled with injuries in the secondary. I think that's been a factor for them. And that was a factor for them in this game. But the Los Angeles Rams proved that they absolutely, there absolutely can be a team that, that can compete with the Tampa Buccaneers. And that team happens to be quarterbacked by Matthew Stafford. And that's the Los Angeles Rams who walked away with a 34-24 to victory. And in my notes I have, this is why Matthew Stafford uh, is in L.A. This offense that we saw in this game is exactly what Sean McVay pictured when he brought in Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford finished the game 27 for 38, 343 yards and four touchdowns. He had a 75-yard bomb to Deshaun Jackson, who will forever be the fastest player in the NFL. He's he's up there in age. He's probably in his mid definitely in his mid-30s at this point, and it's still incredibly fast, still can be one of the best deep threats in the NFL. He had a 75-yard touchdown, finished the day with three catches, 120 yards and a touchdown, and then Cooper Cup has been on an absolute tear. He leads the NFL in receiving yards through three weeks with 367 yards 
through three games. He had nine receptions, 96 yards, and two touchdowns in this game. A phenomenal performance by Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, and this Rams offense against a defense that has has a reputation for being one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, just just an overall fantastic performance by by the Los Angeles Rams to go in or to have Tampa Bay go, come in, uh, Tom Brady come in. Tampa Bay had not lost a game uh, since November 29th, 2020. Uh, and they also had scored 30 points in nine straight games. So to have them come in, not score 30 points, lose a game for the first time since last year in November, a big-time win for Sean McVay and the Rams. On the Bucks side of things, Tom Brady finished 41 for 55. He threw the ball 55 times for 432 yards, a touchdown. He also had a rushing touchdown. Mike Evans chipped in with a 100-yard game. And then Chris Godwin had himself a game as well, 74 yards receiving and a rushing touchdown. Um, One of the biggest problems for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers through three weeks is they have absolutely no balance whatsoever. I talked about Tom Brady throwing the ball 55 times. That's basically been the story for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers through three weeks is they are relying on Tom Brady and this this array of pass catchers, very talented group of pass catchers, to be uh, the entire offense. Tom Brady led the team in rushing yards in this game. Tom Brady, 44-year-old Tom Brady, led the led the team in rushing yards um, with 14 yards, and they're averaging just over 50 yards per game, which is 31st in the NFL. Um, and just just you got to have more balance. You got to be able to to uh, you know milk the clock in certain situations. But as far as the Rams go, this is exactly how I I thought the Rams offense could look with uh, with Matthew Stafford. I talked about this is what Sean McVay dreamt of. This is what I I felt uh, we we could see with Matthew Stafford. This explosive this explosive aspect of this offense. Um, some of the downfield shots, and then Cooper Cup just playing out of his mind. This team is going to be extremely hard to deal with, and especially, you, you know, we haven't even talked about defensively. They have Aaron Donald, who is the best player in the NFL. They have Jalen Ramsey, who who is the best defensive back in the NFL. This team is primed and ready to go, and they just very well might be the best team in the NFL at this point. We've seen the Kansas City Chiefs struggle so far, and we'll talk about them next, uh, and they now defeated the defending Super Bowl champs in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the Rams look primed to be a Super Bowl contender, even being in an NFC West uh, that is so competitive. The Rams look primed and ready to go. And then on to the final of the big games that I wanted to talk about. And it is a, a another surprising win for a team that looks to be on the way up. And that's the Los Angeles Chargers going into Arrowhead Stadium and defeating the Kansas City Chiefs 30 to 24. Justin Herbert continues to be absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this guy has been incredible. And just his second year, people worried he might have the sophomore slump. He certainly does not look to be slumping at all, especially when he finishes a game against the Chiefs 26 for 38, 281 yards, four touchdowns. Austin Eckler had over 100 all-purpose yards. And Mike Williams, who has been phenomenal through three weeks. He's been a, a genuine number one receiver on an offense that already has Keenan Allen, one of the most under, underrated receivers in the NFL. This Chargers offense, uh, with Justin Herbert at the helm, uh, with Brandon Staley, their new head coach, they look to be one of the best teams in the NFL. And we saw it, them take it to one of the best teams in the NFL um, in the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, too many mistakes in this game for Kansas City. The Los Angeles Chargers forced uh, Kansas City into four turnovers. Patrick Mahomes had two interceptions. He finished today with 260 yards, 27 for 44, three touchdowns, two picks. Clyde Edwards-Zillair finally got things going. Travis Kelsey had himself a big game. Tyreek Hill for the second straight week, however, could not really get it going. Um, my biggest takeaway from this game is that um, the Chargers are finally living up to the hype. And I know it's only three weeks in, and a lot can happen uh, you know, through 17 now games in the NFL season. But through three weeks, the Chargers look to be everything that people thought they could be. And, and, and Justin Herbert looks to be uh, an MVP candidate through three weeks. 
as far as the Kansas City Chiefs go, one of my biggest takeaways from this game is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, first of all, let me just say, he's the he's the best quarterback in the NFL. As good as Justin Herbert is, Patrick Mahomes, I'm still taking him over Justin Herbert. Patrick Mahomes is amazing. However, some things that I've noticed, and it's been the past few weeks, I noticed it in the Baltimore Ravens game. Uh, I, I noticed, I've noticed it a few times. Patrick Mahomes, I think, plays a little bit too cocky sometimes. I think he gets a little bit too confident, and I, and I can understand how you get so confident when you're literally the best, most talented quarterback to ever play football like Patrick Mahomes is. Um, I can understand where that confidence comes from, but some of the plays he makes, it seems like he's make he's trying to make incredible plays at all times. Uh, and, and he had a play in this game where he threw – an ugly, ugly interception um, with the game tied at 24, two minutes and 15 seconds left. He th- At about midfield, he throws a bomb down the field that honestly didn't – he did not need to throw, but it looked like he was just trying to make something amazing happen again. Chargers pick it off. Then the Chargers march down the field uh, to score a go-ahead touchdown. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he, he, sometimes it, I feel like – Somebody needs to just tell him, hey, man, just take the easy things. Like, you have Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches of all time, one of the greatest offensive co- coaches of all time. Can you not just take the – just do the easy thing one time? Because some of the things with Patrick Mahomes, he puts his team – obviously, good, best quarterback in the NFL, and he is the reason why the Chiefs are winning so many games. But it, there's certain situations where he puts his team in, in tough spots as well. And, and Josh Allen is very much the same way, probably to an even higher extent, where you know the the high plays are so high and just like one of the best uh, athletes we've ever seen. But w- sometimes he makes decisions like, "What are you? Why, like, why would you do that? Why would you?" And I think sometimes with Patrick Mahomes, he trusts himself too much. He trusts his arm too much at sometimes, and he he thinks that he can re- rely completely on his arm. And I think that got him into trouble in this game. We talked about. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs had four turnovers in this game, uh, and and that that's obviously in big part to the the defense that Brandon Staley has coached up there in Los Angeles. They have an incredible defense with Derwin James now healthy, Joey Bosa. He was injured in this game, but still played well, uh, and and just talent all all across the board there in Los Angeles. And I'm and I'm convinced that if the Chargers can avoid chargering and doing chargery chargery things, um, they can be one of the best teams in the NFL, just talent-wise, and we, that's something we've known from the from the jump. Uh, they are they are an incredibly talented team. If they can just avoid the silly mental errors, uh, they can be one of the best teams in the NFL. And and speaking of the silly mental errors, it was late in this game after that Patrick Mahomes interception. The Chargers get the ball uh, with about two minutes left. They they're marching the ball down the field and they're in field goal range. And I thought they got a little lucky with the way that things turned out because instead of running out the clock, they're already well in with within field ra- field goal range. It's not a long field goal at this point; like it's a it's a manageable, very easy field goal. Instead of running the clock out, running the ball with Austin Eckler, who had played pretty well up to that point, um, they just continue to throw the ball. and And they had a play, they had a play uh, earlier on, on that same series where it was fourth and four. They get a false start. It's fourth and nine, and then Brandy Stilley still decides to go for it. He was originally going to go for it on 4th and 4, and usually if a team gets the false start, they say, okay, we're not going to go for it now. And the game's tied up at 24 at this point. Brandon Staley decides, no, we're still going it on 4th fourth and 9. And that play, I appreciate. Because I've always said, if you want to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to be the aggressor. You have to take the game. You have to take the game from the Kansas City Chiefs. So that play call I like. But some of the later things where they're getting deep down into field goal position, um, and they're still throwing the ball instead of instead of running out the clock at all, um, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's one thing to be the aggressor and to take the game, and it's another thing to make questionable decisions. I thought that decision by whether it was Brandon Staley or it was Justin Herbert checking into pass plays when it should have been run plays, I don't know exactly what happened there, but it's one thing to be aggressive, and it's another thing to just hand Patrick Mahomes the ball back with with 30 some seconds which isn't a lot but they also had a timeout that the Chiefs didn't have to burn because the Chargers were passing the ball instead of running the ball and the Chargers kicker also missed the extra point which is maybe you know uh, an argument for why they didn't just go for the field goal because he missed the extra point uh and, and just when he missed that extra point it was like okay Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs now have the ball uh back with about 30 some seconds left and one timeout 
Uh, this seems like such a Chargers way to lose this game. But I think they got a little lucky there at the end. Uh, but up until that point, I don't think there was any luck involved. I think the Chargers are are primed, just like the Rams, to, to be a Super Bowl contender uh, if things continue on the, tr- on the track that they're on right now. Obviously, they're an incredibly competitive division, and they'll have to, you know, play incredible just to get out of the division uh, and to win that division. I still don't give up on the Chiefs coming back and winning that division, but a big-time win for Justin Herbert and for Brandon Staley and for this Los Angeles Chargers team. And as far as the Chiefs go, I know a lot of people are overreacting, saying, what's wrong with the Chiefs? What's wrong with the Chiefs? And it's the same thing with the Buccaneers. The NFL, like we talk about all the time, is very much an overreaction league. You overreact every single week because you only have one game to, to, to react to uh, per, per team. So you just have to overreact. And my argument for not worrying too much about the Chiefs and about the Buccaneers is you have to lose. Teams lose games. It, it happens. You're going to lose games. You're going to have bad games. We saw the Packers in week one get absolutely destroyed by the New Orleans Saints and since then have looked like one of the best teams in the NFL. You lose games, you have bad games. So I'm not too worried about the Kansas City Chiefs. I know everybody's like, what's wrong with them? They have a losing record for the first time since 2015 uh, and they're in last place of a very competitive AFC West. But I'm trying not to overreact three weeks into an NFL season with the best quarterback in football, the best team in football, I think the Chiefs will be fine. I think the Buccaneers will be fine. Teams lose games, but for before the the Chargers and for the Rams, these are big wins, and and these are wins that that get you respect, um, they get you uh, acknowledgement, they get you recognition. You just got to be careful not to go out the next week and lay an egg. Now on to the rest of the games from Week Three, and a segment I like to call "Stock Up and Stock." down. This is something we did last year. and I'm just basically go- going to say stock up on things that I think uh, are are trending upwards and stock down on things that are trending downwards um, through three weeks in the NFL, in the 2021 NFL season. Um, the first stock up that I have is the Las Vegas Raiders. I think they're a big stock up. They had a big time win this week, a crazy win in overtime, took almost the entire overtime period against Joe, Jacoby Brissett and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they win. They win that game, 31 to 28. Um, and the Raiders, they're a stock up because they're three and zero. The the Las Vegas Raiders are three and zero. Derek Carr looks like an MVP candidate. Uh, this offense is explosive. They are the real deal. Despite going down 14 nothing early on in that game. I thought they played really well down the stretch. Uh, guys like Henry Ruggs, who struggled last year at times, struggled to stay on the field, I thought he looked phenomenal in this game. I mean, not just being that deep threat, not just being that uh, down-the-field target, but going up and getting balls, going up and, 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 and you know getting those contested catches. He looks like a legit receiver. I was very impressed by him. Brian Edwards has looked really well. Um, Darren Waller obviously is amazing. Uh, this offense looks really good, and if and their defense, that defensive line with Max Crosby uh, and with Yannick Ngakwe, they've looked really good through three weeks. They got a lot of pressure on Jacoby Brissett in this game. They've been one of the best defensive uh, line duos in the NFL. So to me, the Las Vegas Raiders through three weeks are a major stock up. They look to be on their way to competing for a playoff spot, and, they, and then right now they sit uh, atop the NFC West, a very competitive, or sorry, AFC West, with the Denver Broncos. They're both now 3-0, and um, so a major stock up for the Las Vegas Raiders. And in that same game, a major stock down on the Dolphins' rebuild. Um, and this one is a, is a little bit of a deeper one than the Las Vegas Raiders. To me, this season has gone from a getting a win in Foxborough for the Dolphins uh, was encouraging. Everything looked good. You know, everybody was excited uh, as far as Dolphins and Dolphins Twitter uh, goes. Um, through the last two weeks, it's been <laughs> extremely discouraging uh, because this rebuild that the Dolphins fans have been sold on, uh, they tore this entire team down to shreds. They built, they built back up. Uh, they got a bunch of draft picks. Uh, now they're supposed to be at the point where they're competing, and things 
don't look good right now. Honestly, there are some major holes on this on this team, and the biggest being the offensive line. And I talked about it already last week. I won't get too much into it, but an offensive line that just was a major problem. We knew that it was a major problem, and the Dolphins didn't do a whole lot to fix that offensive line. They just kind of hoped that all of the players would take a big step forward from where they were last year, uh, and that's not the case. That's not the case. Uh, and just discouraging signs. You know, they drafted quarterback number five overall and Tua Tungavailoa, who is currently sitting on IR. This is the second time in the NFL he struggled with injuries, and that was the biggest thing coming out of college was his injury issues. And the quarterback that was selected immediately after him with a sixth pick is incredible. Justin Herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL through two years. He was the rookie of the year last year, and right now Tua sits on IR, and that does not look good for the Dolphins organization and we talked about the draft picks that they that they acquired uh you know and I talk I've talked about this time and time again on this podcast so what if you can if you can acquire draft picks and everybody wants to sing the praises of Chris Greer for acquiring all these draft picks uh and they've had so many uh but you got to be able to do something with these draft picks eventually you have to have winning players draft picks don't win you nfl games and just go back to that 2020 uh draft they had three first round picks those three picks were tua tungovailoa austin jackson and noah igbenogany they were the three first round picks in that 2020 draft tua like we talked about sitting on ir has not looked like a franchise altering quarterback like they hoped at all he just he hasn't he flat out hasn't I'm not saying he never will be I'm not saying he has he doesn't have the potential to be but he just hasn't been there and then when you have Justin Herbert tearing it up it makes that look even worse and then Austin Jackson is the worst starting left tackle in the NFL Austin Jackson is a complete nightmare he is so brutal he is one of the biggest he is probably the biggest weak weak spot on a a just atrocious offensive line in Miami and then Noah Igbenogany can barely even be activated for games he's a healthy scratch for games uh in his second year being a first round pick so those three picks look absolutely terrible and and at some point the Dolphins organization they're gonna have to ask and, and Stephen Ross he's gonna ask have to ask himself some tough questions and, and somebody's gonna be held accountable for uh going through this rebuild and and not winning not having a winning football team and I know it's early it's only three weeks and things can turn around but things do not look good in Miami there's some major holes uh for this team and somebody's gonna have to be held account have to be held accountable for for these holes for not being a team that's you know that they don't look like they're going to be a team that's competing for a playoff spot and if that's the case I mean we could see some firings and I think Chris Greer the GM could be on his way out and I said at the beginning of the season there's potential Brian Flores could be on the way out which seems insane and I really do think Brian Flores is a really tremendous uh, head coach but his inability to to hire the right coordinators and their offensive coordinator uh, their co-offensive coordinators have been a complete disaster through three weeks. Uh, they they had a, a wide receiver screen they threw in their own end zone for a safety, which is one of the most mind-boggling things ever. But Brian Flores has hired, fired, uh, signed players, cut players in the very next year, uh, hired and fired uh, coaches uh, year after year, and it just so many weird things about this team and so many tough questions that need to be answered so the Dolphins rebuild they look to be a major stock down because this team does not look to be on a forward progression based on where they were last year and keeping on the stock down rookie quarterbacks are a major stock down through three weeks uh go back to the to the preseason and everybody including myself was singing the praises of these rookie quarterbacks saying how everybody looks so comfortable, everybody looks so good, everybody's going to be awesome, the quarterbacks are all uh, so great, and playing quarterback is so easy for these guys. Well, through three weeks, that's not the case anymore. The first two picks, the first two quarterbacks taken, Trevor Lawrence and and Zach Wilson, currently lead the NFL with seven interceptions. They've struggled at times, and Zach Wilson and the Jets were shut out this week by the Denver Broncos. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, they've both shown flashes, but they've also shown at times to just look absolutely horrendous uh, on their respective teams. Then you go to Mac Jones. People were singing his praises in week one, uh, but he hasn't been an explosive quarterback. He throws a lot of short passes, and, you know, they haven't really relied on him to to be 
you know, a, a guy to carry that team. They, they've been extremely conservative with him, and he's been extremely com- conservative as a quarterback. He actually threw inter- three interceptions against the New Orleans Saints this week, so he struggled. And then Justin Fields in his first start this week against the Cleveland Browns struggled mightily. He was sacked nine times against Miles Garrett, who had four and a half of those nine sacks. Uh, he went six for 20. This is through four quarters. Six for 20, 68 yards through the air. And then he had 12 yards on the ground. And I think a lot of that blame goes to Matt Nagy. He did absolutely nothing to help Justin Fields. Uh, No play action, no rollouts, no doing anything that Justin Fields is good at. And I'm obviously a Justin Fields stan. I've, I've, I've... I've liked him since college. I thought he, he he could be one of the best quarterbacks in this draft class. So I'm a little salty towards Matt Nagy, and I think he should be fired for what he did this Sunday. Just completely atrocious game plan and, and play calling. But you know, some of it, some of it, you could say, I guess, was on Justin Fields and and this rookie class so far through three three weeks. These quarterbacks, they've they've, you know, they've looked rough, uh, and that's okay. You know, quarterbacks. It's tough to be a quarterback in the NFL. It's tough tough to be a rookie quarterback. It's tough to learn the hardest position, the most important position in the NFL. So, I, you know, I, I don't blame them for being a stock down. But as of right now, the the rookie quarterbacks are on the downward trend. And then up to a stock up, and this stock up is NFL kickers. This week, kickers had themselves a heyday. And the biggest of them all, Justin Tucker, the best kicker in the NFL, uh, kicked a 66-yard game-winning field goal. That's right, 66 yards. The previous NFL record was 64 yards by Matt Prater. Uh, Justin Tucker kicks a 66-yarder to win the game versus the Detroit Lions. An incredible kick. If you have not watched this kick, you got to go back and watch it. I literally had to pick my jaw up off the floor. It was absolutely incredible. He kicks this 66-yard kick. It goes off the crossbar and then bounces in. No time left on the clock. Insanity. And if anybody deserves to have the longest kick in NFL history, it's Justin Tucker. He's the best kicker in NFL history. I don't care what anybody says. The most accurate kicker ever. The most incredible kicker you'll ever see. And other kickers that had themselves a good week. Mason Crosby, we talked about earlier, he had a 51-yard uh, game winner in the Green Bay Packers game versus the San Francisco 49ers. Young Wei Koo, one of the best kickers in the NFL, hit a 40-yarder to win versus the New York Giants. So kickers had themselves a great week, uh, except for Matt Prater, who previously held the long, uh, the, the longest field goal in NFL history. So I guess you could say a stock down on Matt Prater because he attempted a 68-yarder the same week that Justin Field or Justin Tucker rather hits a 66-yard field goal. Matt Prater attempts a 68-yarder. It is short, returned by Jamal Agnew of the Jacksonville Jaguars for 109 yards for a touchdown. So it goes from what would have been the longest, ki- the longest made kick in NFL history to the longest play in NFL history tied with a couple of other plays. Uh, Jamal Agnew takes it all the way back for a touchdown. So a rough go around for Matt Prater. But other than that, other than Matt Prater, uh, a good week for NFL kickers. And another stock up, and we talked about rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Let's talk about a rookie receiver. Jamar Chase's catching ability uh, is a major stock up. We talked about all preseason long, his inability to catch. He had uh, drop after drop. It looked to be a confidence issue. Then he was saying that, oh, the NFL ball is hard to catch because you can't see it because it doesn't have the white stripes. And then we were like, oh, that looks bad. Uh, but Jamar Chase has been okay. He's been okay. He's been catching basically everything. Uh, through three games, he has four touchdown receptions, 11 receptions overall, only one drop. So Jamar Chase has made all of us look silly for doubting him uh, in the preseason, doubting his catching ability because he's been uh, incredible through three weeks. And then on to a few more uh, stock ups and stock downs. We're going to go to stock down on Ravens receivers. We talked about Jamar Chase. 
being able to catch the ball. The Ravens receivers could not catch the ball. Mark Andrews has struggled with this throughout his career. He had some major drops in this game. And then Marquise Brown in the game versus the Detroit Lions. The Ravens did end up winning that game, but Marquise Brown struggled tremendously. He had three just terrible drops, two that could have been touchdowns. Uh, so stock down on the Ravens receivers. And another stock down on Big Ben's revenge tour. Uh, this was something that was talked about. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they decided to run it back with Ben Roethlisberger. They figured, oh, he can't possibly be as bad as he was down the stretch last year uh, in 2020. Well, through three weeks, it does not look good for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They somehow, and it seems insane to even think about at this point, uh, they went into uh, Buffalo. They beat the Buffalo Bills in week one, and since then, They've lost two straight games. They lost the game uh, this past week to the Cincinnati Bengals. It wasn't even close, really. Uh, they were they were completely outclassed by the Cincinnati Bengals. Ben Roethlisberger looks old. He looks washed. They they they. It's just an, a completely unexplosive offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they can't get anything accomplished. They Ben Roethlisberger essentially only threw to Najee Harris in this game. Najee Harris actually breaks the all-time record for most targets by a running back in this game. That kind of shows how explosive this offense is, is that uh, Ben Roethlisberger basically only feels comfortable throwing short of the sticks to Najee Harris. And he had, a, he had one play that was 4th and 10, and instead of attempting to throw the ball, uh, I don't know, 10 yards, because you need 10 yards to pick up a first down, he, throw, he gets scared and throws it to the flat to Najee Harris. They don't pick it up, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger looks bad. I'm just wondering, what was the plan for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, what was their plan? This reminds me so much of the New York Giants when they kept bringing back Eli Manning, when it was very obvious Eli Manning was not a very good quarterback anymore. They kept bringing him back. Uh, they even drafted a running back in the first round, like the Pittsburgh Steelers did. Like you know, I guess they thought that would fix all of the problems. Uh, they drafted Saquon Barkley. The Steelers drafted Najee Harris. And guess what? When your offensive line is still pretty bad, the running back is not going to solve the problems. And when your quarterback is washed up and can't play anymore, the running back is not going to solve the problems. And not only do you have Big Ben being uh, incompetent at the quarterback position, you did essentially nothing at the, at the backup quarterback position, unless you count bringing in Dwayne Haskins, who's shown completely nothing through his uh, two or three years in the NFL. You have Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph, so you can't even really bench Big Ben because what do you have behind him? You have Mason Rudolph, who we I don't want to see Mason Rudolph play ever again. I, I know what Mason Rudolph is. He's not, I no thanks. I don't want to see him play anymore, but I don't want to see Big Ben either, but I also don't want to see Dwayne Haskins. So it's just a, a terrible situation for the Steelers offense. And so they get a major stock down but speaking of the team that they they beat in week one, it's a stock up for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I doubted them last week. I thought they didn't play that well against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they completely proved me wrong. And Josh Allen is back in a big way. An unbelievable performance in a 43-21 victory over the Washington football team. Josh Allen finishes 32 for 43, 348. 358 yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, they look to be the same old Bills, the same Bills we saw last year. Uh, despite struggling a little bit offensively through the first two weeks, Josh Allen balled the heck out this week. So a major, major, major stock up for the Buffalo Bills. And back on a few more negatives on stock downs. I'm going to say stock down on the Broncos receiving any credit for being 3-0. and uh, and you know, it's impressive to be three and oh, and listen, you play who's in front of you, but the Broncos have yet to play and win a game against a team that has won a game. The opponents that they've played through three weeks are oh, and nine. They've beaten the oh, and three New York giants, the oh, and three Jacksonville Jaguars, and then this week, the O-3-New York Jets. So despite being 3-0, I don't envision very many people giving the Denver Broncos a whole lot of respect. Uh, you got to beat a team that can, that, you know, that has won a game. And, and, and I'm, 
I don't know if it's totally fair to say that, you know, they shouldn't deserve any respect. I think they do. I think the Broncos have shown some things, and I really like Teddy Bridgewater and these uh, these offensive weapons, and their defense is, is chock full of talent, and I think they can be a good team and can be a playoff contender, but uh, you're going to have to win a game against a team that has actually won a game this season. And then my final stock down and my final uh, installment in this segment, and it's stock down on me understanding the Minnesota Vikings or the Seattle Seahawks. Both of these teams, I just don't know what to even make of them. They're both one and two now. The Vikings went in and and won the game in convincing fashion this week against the Seattle Seahawks, 30 to 17. Uh, the Seahawks at times have looked like a dominant offense. Uh, they they dominated the the Colts in Week One, and then they they played really well in the first half against the Titans last week, but blew the game at the end. And now in this game, they they blew the game again. They only scored sorry they scored zero points in the second half after scoring 17 in the first half. They couldn't score anything uh, in the second half, and the Vikings looked really good even without Dalvin Cook. I just don't know what to make with these. Uh, 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 with these two teams. I don't know who's better. I guess the Vikings because they won this week, but either one of these teams to me could could be either a playoff team or a team that ends up 6 and 11. I did, I I don't I cannot get a read on these teams. Kirk Cousins though, he's played pretty well through 3 weeks. He finished 30 for 38, 323 yards and three touchdowns in this game. A a great performance from him. And Russell Wilson and this offense for the Seahawks, again, at times look really good, but I don't know. I again, I just can't it's a major stock down on my understanding of these two teams. That wraps up the preview or the review rather of the week 3 of the NFL 2021 NFL season uh and obviously I can't talk about the Philadelphia Eagles versus uh Dallas Cowboys game for those of you that uh are maybe tuning into this show for the first time i record this on monday evening so we i don't know the outcome of that game at this point so we won't talk about that game but we talked about basically every other game that happened in week three now moving on to week number four of the 2021 nfl season and on to my picks as well as mike's picks who's you know he's not here but he's still here in spirit he gave me his picks for week four of the 2021 NFL season. And first up, we have the Thursday night game. The two number one overall picks, the last two number one overall picks, Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville versus Cincinnati. I'm going to pick Cincinnati. Jacksonville looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL through the first three weeks. The Bengals, you know, they they look frisky at times. I, I, I haven't trusted them, and I didn't pick them last week, but uh, they look good. And Mike also is picking the Cincinnati Bengals to win on Thursday night. And then on to the next game, the New York Giants at the New Orleans Saints, the first one o'clock game uh, on Sunday. And I'm going to pick the New Orleans Saints to win that game. The Giants, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be desperate to win a game, but uh, I trust Sean Payton and his ability to, you know, get something out of Jameis Winston. They've they're another team that's been really hard to get a read on, but Mike is also going with the New Orleans Saints in that game. And then on to Kansas City versus Philadelphia. Philadelphia is currently playing as we're recording right now. Uh, Kansas City, I think, gets uh, a bounce back win against a pretty good Philadelphia Eagles team. But I think Kansas City, they're going to be all right and they're going to get the win. And Mike also picking Kansas City in that game. And then on to Houston at the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to pick the Bills, uh, we don't need to d- discuss that too much. Mike also picking the Bills. Obviously, Houston is bad uh, at football. And the Bills, they look pretty good this last week. So then on to the next game, Indianapolis at Miami. And despite me not being too happy with the Dolphins through through three weeks, I'm going to pick the Dolphins to win this game. Carson Wentz, he did not look healthy in, the, in, in, in this last week. And... Um, they lost Quinton Nelson to to injury as well. The Dolphins' defense, uh, I think, has played really well at times, and I think they could give Carson Wentz fits if he plays in this game. And if he doesn't, I think the backup quarterbacks that the Colts have are not as good as Jacoby Brissett, who the Dolphins have at backup quarterback. So in the Jacoby Brissett revenge game, I'm going to pick my Miami Dolphins to win probably in an unimpressive fashion. But uh, Mike is going to go with the Colts in this game. 
Uh, and then on to the next game, Carolina at Dallas. I'm going to pick Dallas to win that game. Carolina, they've had some good wins. They beat Houston this last week. Uh, they, they, they've had convincing wins. I don't think they've played much of anybody through three weeks. They've beaten so far the, the Houston Texans like we talked about. They beat the New York Jets. And then they beat the New Orleans Saints. So not really world beaters. I want to see them against a, a legit team. And I think Dallas is just that. So I'm going to pick Dallas to win that game. Mike also picking Dallas. And then on to Cleveland at Minnesota. I'm going to pick Minnesota to win this game, actually. Uh, Cleveland, I think, has... I, I do like the Cleveland Browns. They're one of my favorite uh, teams this year. I Minnesota, though, another team. I just can't get a read on this. Feels like a game. I'm just going off vibes on this one. This feels like a game that Minnesota is gonna is gonna pull out the win. And Mike is also going with Minnesota. Okay, I did not know that. He's going with the Minnesota Vikings as well. Uh, Dalvin Cook, hopefully back for this game. So we're both picking Minnesota to uh, beat Cleveland. And then Tennessee at the New York Jets. Uh, the Titans, Mike's also picking the Titans. Don't need to discuss that one. Then Detroit at Chicago. I'm going to pick Motor City Dan, as Mike calls him, uh, to beat uh, Justin Fields or Nick Foles or whoever's starting this game. Please, Matt Nagy, please don't start Nick Foles. But I'm going to pick the Lions to win, and so is Mike. And then Washington at Atlanta, the final 1 o'clock game. I'm going to pick Atlanta to win this game. Washington I don't know. Their defense has not played as well as I thought they would be. I thought they would be one of the best defenses in the NFL. They haven't played that well. The Falcons offense maybe, you know, found something. I mean, they didn't really put up very many points. I think they put up 17 points this week. But maybe they find something against a defense that has been underperforming. Mike's going to pick the Washington football team to win that game. And then on to the 4 o'clock games, we have Arizona at the Los Angeles Rams. A big-time AFC West matchup. I'm going to pick the Los Angeles Rams, who are coming off a big victory versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mike is also going with the Rams. And then Seattle at San Francisco, the other two uh, NFC West teams. I'm going to pick Seattle to win this game. Uh, the Seahawks have another bounce back. They, they tend to play really well against teams within their own division. Mike is also going with the Seattle Seahawks and then Pittsburgh at Green Bay I'm going to pick Green Bay to win that game Pittsburgh their offenses look incredibly unex unex inexplosive unexplosive either one they've looked both uh and the Green Bay Packers have looked very explosive Mike's also going with Green Bay then Baltimore at Denver give me Baltimore despite the Broncos being 3 and 0 I think Baltimore you know they did struggle this week against Detroit but I think Detroit's giving a lot of teams a run for their money. Um, so I'm going to say Baltimore has a has a get-right game against the undefeated Denver Broncos. And then on to the primetime games. Tampa Bay at New England. Tom Brady's return to Foxborough. Really, really excited for this game. Can't wait to watch this game. This is probably a potential game of the year. Whether or not it's a good game or not, just seeing Tom Brady back in New England. I'm going to pick the Tampa Buccaneers. The, the Patriots... Um, yeah, their offense just isn't looking good through uh, the first three weeks. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get a, a major get-right game. Uh, you know Tom Brady is going to be extremely motivated to to stick it to Bill Belichick and to his old team in Foxborough. <clears throat> in Foxborough. Uh, and Mike's also going against his Patriots and picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then on to the final game, the Monday night game, a really good game, the Las Vegas Raiders undefeated versus the team that just beat the Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a really good game. A um, couple of really good primetime games here to finish off the week. I'm going to pick the Los Angeles Chargers. I like what they're doing. I like their talent offensively and defensively. I think Brandon Staley's uh, shown that he uh, is a formidable NFL coach. Uh, Mike is also going with the Los Angeles Chargers to defeat the undefeated Las Vegas Raiders. But that's going to wrap up this week's show. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, a little bit different. I was kind of used to having a, a, a partner on the show, so hopefully uh, it was still entertaining with just my voice in your ears. Uh, if you guys enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please, what are you doing if you're not leaving a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts? Uh, like we always say, you don't even have to say something nice. You can say something rude if you want. I would prefer if you didn't, but you could. Just leave us a five-star uh, rating 
and you can say whatever you want in there. doesn't even matter. Uh, uh, make sure you guys share it with your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at underscore average Joe show. Uh, a really fun three weeks. Looking forward to week four. A bunch of really good matchups. Uh, but until then, for JT behind uh, you know the editing and for Mike who's at home sick right now, we will catch you guys on the next one.